Hey everybody, it's Eric Torenberg, co-founder, partner of Village Global, a network-driven venture firm. And this is Venture Stories, a podcast covering topics relating to tech and business with world-leading experts. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Venture Stories by Village Global. I'm here today joined by a very special guest, Scott Heiferman of uh, co-founder of Meetup. Scott, welcome to the show. Great to be here. Thanks. We're here to talk about all things community building. But first, let's take a little step back. Why don't you give a brief background or overview of, of yourself and your mission and how you got into it and, and where you're at now? Sure, sure, sure. You know, Meetup uses the internet to get people off the internet. We've been around for quite a while and uh, somehow have stayed growing, growing, and, and growing. The mission is, even though, you know, we kind of, we might go, we might go, uh, you know, out of style and back into style a little bit, you know, as, as anything does through the years, but company is set up, you know, very mission driven for the long haul and with the goal of bringing people together in real life to, to create, you know, human connection, real community, uh, make people stronger. And when you talk about community, people use communities in a lot of different way, ways, how do you define community and how does that differentiate or are there different types of communities? How do you differentiate between them and how do those differentiate from things like networks or, or, or things that aren't exact or are more other things than they are communities? Yeah, I love that question because it's kind of, it's both a, uh, I mean, it's, it's one part pet peeve, but other part, you know, just kind of inspiration to, to try to, uh, to, to, to make that distinction and to actually have the word community mean something as opposed to how it's often used or how, or the, the myriad, myriad of ways in which it's used and kind of loses any, any real meaning. Meaning from my perspective, um, community is what happens when people talk and form relationships and come to, uh, have some kind of interdependency. And that's, I mean, that's, that's, I, God, I keep telling myself not to use, you know, academic-y, wonky words like that. But basically it comes down to are people forming relationships and having uh, and having a, like the kind of connections where something, uh, where they really find support. You know, at the end of the day, it's about, you know, are, is capacity revealed? Is possibility unleashed? You know, are, are people brought together in the meetup context? You know, there's no, there's no virtual um, meetups. There's no, not that people can't form real relationships in real community purely digitally but you know our bet is is that you're most likely to form the kinds of uh you know community and connection if there's at least some part of that relationship been in real life so that's what we are optimizing for and you know we've had communities since since forever and at the beginning perhaps it was more more tribal and you and your you know your 10 or 15 people or whatever amount of people that were, were closest to you, or it was really driven by, by proximity. And then over time with, with markets and trade and transportation, people, you became more movable and, and were able to switch and, and evolve communities. And then with the internet was really a Cambrian explosion of, Oh wow. You know, any you know, number of infinite number of communities to, to choose from and pick from, you know, zooming out, how do you sort of see how community has, has evolved uh, over time? Yeah. So I mean, listen, we, we can all read uh, Sapiens and have this picture in our head of what a tribe might have been and thousands of years ago. And, 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 uh, and this is all, I mean, I, I love that you're asking that and, you're, and, and, and people are more so than in the past asking these kinds of questions and trying to picture in their head what do humans need and what, what is community and what, um, and what value does it have? You know, I'm not here to like judge 
people's lives and to say that, oh, you know, if you're just living on Twitter, that's not real community or, or, you know, that, or there's some ideal balance of, you know, the amount of time you might spend in front of a screen versus, you know, um, face to face with people. All, all I know, Eric, is that the fact that I've got a regular lunch thing going with a bunch of friends and a regular breakfast thing going with, with a bunch of friends. And there's a sense of not just a sense of actually more important. That's really important to not just think of it as a sense of, but like, but that are you literally meeting up with the, with a group of people that's that where you can support each other and help each other and, and just shoot the shit with each other and be there for each other. You know, like, I could rattle off all the, you know, all the stats about, about loneliness or the ways in which people don't have the support that they need. They might be, they might have a life filled with friends, but family and, uh, but the idea of feeling lonely about something that's important to you, like, oh, I'm really interested in the future of consumer social, you know? So like, do you have, you know, have you found your people? And so I guess, but the important, the, 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 the kind of radical or important thing I'm saying, I, I, I want to, uh, say here is, and the reason why I bring up the like, hey, I, I, I have a weekly lunch with a bunch of friends. I have a monthly breakfast with a, with a bunch of different friends. Is that, uh, and it's not that like, I mean, I am blessed and rich with you know having been so lucky as to make make a few friendships in my life. But it was like an actual effort to say like, no, we're gonna get lunch weekly. And the point here also is to say. You know, yeah, of course, you know, we all have, you know, we know people everywhere and, you know, there's the death of distance and absolutely do I feel like my friendships that are scattered around the world are, are real friendships and real people who, who I might really count on. But I'll tell you what, if there, there really is nothing like, you know, being in a place, living in a place, perhaps that's a city and knowing that, you know, that you're a messaging away, you know, that you're, you're, you're a text away or whatever, or you, or use your messaging service of choice to say that there's a, well, actually put aside the messaging, messaging even for a second, just the, the power of a running, the way a running club helps you run the power of a running, a, a writing group to help you write the power of a book club to get you reading. These are, and these can all be virtualized, but you know, there's, there's just something powerful in the, in the local in the in real life. And that doesn't say, that's not to say that there isn't value in like virtual and all other forms of, you know, community or pseudo community. But, um, you know, I'm a big advocate for people having a, a real local community in their life. Yeah. And, and there seems to be this question about, or this sort of ineffable quality about face-to-face that, that digital can't re- replicate that, but we are trying to in multiple areas of our life, you know, remote work or distributed work, for, for example, at, at the same time, you know, despite platforms like Meetup, it seems that the inexorable trend is even more and more or, or less and less face-to-faces as virtual reality, you know, gets better and, and, and technology gets better. Do you think that the gap between face-to-face digital will ever be, will ever be small enough for, for it to be worth it? Like, you know, in, in a decade from now on meetup.com, are, are most of the meetups going to be virtual, virtual meetups? Or, or how, do you, how do you see that evolving and I mean, when virtuality is as almost as good as, as the real thing, you won't be able to to notice. Will there be still a big difference, or how do you think about that? Yeah. I I think uh, you know I'm a technologist. I'm, a, I'm I I love technology. I love innovation. I love the internet. I think it will never get small enough. So the good news is is that, and I have been wrong about you know I think that the you know the virtual is 
better than I thought and will only get better. And it will get in measurable ways. It'll get uh, close to in real life, but it will never replace in real life. You know, it's uh, one way to think about it is um, uh, I'm a fan of Michael Pollan, you know, in, in his book. Well, you know, he's got his, his drug book, but then he's got, you know, his food, his food books. And he, he would talk about uh, on the food side, he would talk about how um, take a carrot. Stop me, Eric, if this is a, something that people like heard, heard many times. But, you know, you can you can break down, you know, the greatest science can break down what's inside a carrot and try to recreate it in a vitamin or recreate or you know, give you what what is supposedly all good in the carrot. But the carrot has has uh, evolved to have just this multitude of components that we just can't put our finger on yet or may never. And it's it's the combination of all these organic pieces that make the carrot something special. Now, what's my point? My point is that, uh, well, I mean, maybe it's obvious. Is that, is that, no, I don't think that we're going to replace in real life. And, and I would go so far as to say, and why should we? Like, what is the race to try to make virtual as real as possible? I get it. You know, it's like if grandma wants to, you know, FaceTime with the grandkids, maximum closeness to in real life you know, that technology is super, is super great. And, you know, I don't want to get into kind of theological or other philosophical discussions here, but, you know, okay, so you can soylent yourself through existence, you know, well, okay, well, you know, what's wrong with food again, you know, or what's wrong with within real life? I was going to say we're playing with fire, you know, meaning like these are, this is not like sort of nice, you know, having, having a sense of belonging, a sense of being needed, a sense of connection looking into people's eyes and feeling a sense of wholeness. You know, these are not like, uh, these are not nice to haves. These are need to haves. And it, it reminds me of the book tribe. Yeah. Which for, for the audience sort of is about a, a, a person, a Sebastian Junger who goes to war and in um, sort of explores why in the military and in wartime, even though it, it's, it's such a tough time, there's a sense of belonging and community and, and mission and everyone feels needed. And when you get out into the real and free world, uh, there's sort of a, a loss of that. Um, and he lost more people uh, in his in his troop outside of the war than, than in the war. And it's sort of it was sort of a macro exploration of is our our technological and, and maximized economic growth world, to what extent is it compatible with a world of uh, community and belonging and, and meaning? How did you respond to, to that book, given your purview? You know, I mean, I've been kind of swimming in these questions. I, I'm like, uh, I was not some natural born communitarian who really gave a shit about, you know, a lot of these topics or, or questions. I stumbled on it. Uh, you know, I was I was off. Uh, you know, I was one of the early people in the online advertising world, you know, and not thinking about the power of tribes or tribalism or local community. And And so, I mean, there's a whole story of how I got, called into into all this but but what i found was you know so so basically my 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 answer is that you know there was something really powerful in that in that book and the way he uh wrote it but it's also have have been lucky to have found out sort of a a a calling and been been uh, thinking a lot about you know i'm i bet eric there are some people who like listen to this podcast so far and they're kind of like okay got it i get what scott's talking about you know they can kind of like you know, check that box and, and, and agree or, you know, disagree or whatever and, and kind of, and kind of move on and listen to the next podcast. I think though that the, I mean, this is a, you know, you're talking about ventures and you're talking about technology and we're talking about, about, um, you know, the things that I think people tune in to hear about and what I'm, you know, most kind of possessed by and fascinated by 
so okay i've you know i played for a while with this question of how does technology get people you know off technology and in real life community but i think like we've barely begun uh, you know all the ways in which technology and 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 connected computers basically can bring people together has is we've barely begun and so i mean that's you know the maybe the reason why i even bothered to to, to you know join you on a, on on this conversation to, and for others to listen in is that i hope i really hope people are taken on the challenge of how do you uh, use technology to bring people together in in fresh ways uh, you know all through the the 2020 and beyond. Yeah, and let's talk more about that. What do we expect to see in the next, you know, five to ten years um, in terms of if we've just begun, what, what's what's left to do, or, or what, or what's your request for experimentation? What do you want to see people be doing and, and experimenting with? Oh man, oh man. Well, I mean, it's uh, what's left to do. Everything is left to do. I feel like you know, for all the, I mean, we're, we're really proud of what we built at Meetup, and you know, but it just it barely scratches the surface, and and you know, and it was not that long ago that, you know, you couldn't press a button and make a car show up and, and now you can. And, and I mean, the whole, the, the, the idea of how can you press a button and make people show up is we, we, we have a whole uh, kind of universe in front of us. I mean, the, where, I don't know, wherever I look, I just see this, this kind of open, open canvas uh, on, on that challenge. I mean, whether that is, I mean, listen, I had a, I had a friend who had a liver transplant in, Orlando a couple of years ago. And, you know, I said, I asked him, I said, Oh, were you, you know, are you able to meet anyone who, who has, you know, kind of also gone through that surgery? And he's like, no, no. And um, I'm like, well, you know, surely there's gotta be like a Facebook group that has like, you know, all the people going through liver transplants and, you know, it's like this kind of smattering of stuff here and there. But I mean, just at the end of the day, it's like, you know, there is a, huge canon of of research that basically says that if uh like for like just pregnant women uh you know meet with a dozen other pregnant women throughout their you know monthly throughout their pregnancy they have something like a 30 to 35 percent less chance of having a premature birth wow which is and and from diabetes to all just just across a whole spectrum of of health conditions you know there's a like AA, Alcoholics Anonymous was a was a discovery. It was a it was a eureka moment. It was like this, and it doesn't doesn't cure alcoholism, but it's like, but it works. It does something of 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 value. And um and so the fact that like that that was a discovery, and yet you know there's there's no one who's uh, my so again my friend who had this liver transplant. I mean no one's who's who's helping him connect with other people. Um, in the right context, I mean, does it have a facilitator? Does it not? Does it, you know, is it just like, is a, is a Facebook group good enough? Is a meetup group good enough? You know, I, I don't know. There's a lot to, lot to figure out there. But most importantly, it's a network question. It's one of those like Lyft or Uber could only work when there's, you know, enough riders and enough drivers in that marketplace to, 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 to facilitate those, those connections. And I think that there's just from a whole spectrum of, of, of different parts of life, there's, uh, we, we, we really have have barely begun to um, connect people locally and otherwise uh, who would like to find each other and could really help each other by being connected. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, one angle looking at it is that you know, we used to get most of our community needs met through sort of this bundle that was that was religion, that was church or, or mosque or, or temple or, or, or whatever it is. 
And then you know, that sort of became more modulized over time. Maybe Alcoholics Anonymous was one of the first examples of it, although it does have religious uh, overtones. How do you think about and you know, uh, sort of the modulization of of community over time, and especially from your purview at at Meetup, you know, what are a lot of the uh, Meetups sort of religious or religious replacement like? You know, people going to Soul Cycle or going to you know, th- think uh, things like that, Daybreaker, things like that. How do you think about this sort of modulization of yeah. community? We could get into this one all day. I'm I'm fascinated by it. If people listening, they might want to look up howwegather.org. There's a this. Uh, couple of folks out of the Harvard Divinity School who did a deep dive over the past few years looking into these, uh, you know, some of the questions that you're asking and, and, and written up some really interesting reports at, at howwegather.org. But, but yeah, Eric, I, um, early days in Meetup, I got the chance to, uh, you know, do a dive into the world of uh, Rick Warren and the uh, kind of super mega church, uh, you know, world that was kind of emerging in the, in you know around um 10 15 years ago and part of you know part of the inspiration for kind of in the early days of meetup was realizing that yeah people uh, you know if you want to be part of a little league in a in a town where the super church is dominant you know the only little league is not no longer coming from the kind of sort of organic secular municipality or just like a bunch of parents forming a little league but it's coming out of a, of a church and uh, you know and that's great for that's that's it's it's great that you know anyone has the opportunity for that for that little league and it's great that the church organizes it. But I think there is this question of, you know, do people feel powerful? Do they have access to simple secular community or, you know, religious community, whatever it is. I mean, the, the, the stats on, on, on uh, religion are, are clear that, you know, there were people are feeling less connected and less engaged in, uh, in religion. And I guess the, I mean, you know, it's a kind of an age old, question but uh, you know are people going to religion more for salvation and god or are they going for for community and um you know i don't have the answer to that but there's no there's a fantastic book on the on the uh on the topic of what so what do people get out of religion and it's, it was really eye-opening to me it's called uh, uh religion for atheists by alain de, de bouton and he um he just makes this strong case that the that the belongingness and the is is, um, is such a, a huge part of um, of the religious experience. I think what might be most helpful is talking about the practice of community building because nobody has a better purview about you know how in person communities form, how they retain and scale or strengthen over time than, than you you and, and meet up to. Yeah. So maybe we talk about uh, starting with the, with how they form. I mean, how many how many meetups are there at meetup.com? Uh, well, first off, we're not meetups.com anymore. It's just meetup, you know. It's an app that, you know, uh, people people use. We signed up 100 million people and organically. And there's about 10 to 20,000 meetups that happen every day, an average of about 8 to 12 people. Oh, incredible. And the, 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 and the thing we're most proud of, just to, just to kind of get it out there, and I think is really – I love sort of, you know, saying this for anyone who might – uh, you know, be involved in any kind of venture and out there is that, uh, you know, what, what we're most proud of is not that we're just some sort of like ticketing engine or RSVP engine or even like listing service for events or something like that. What we're, what we're really so kind of proud of at Meetup is that um, of these 10 to 20,000 gatherings that happen every day, you know, most of them just wouldn't be happening without 
without Meetup in, in, in the sense that it's kind of like the people who are using Instagram or, you know, Snap or whatever. It's not like they wouldn't be like photo blogging, you know, before, uh, you know, uh, it's not it's it's that it's it's kind of instigating and sparking something, you know, people in the case of Instagram, people are, you know, people are posting photos who wouldn't be like photo posting kind of people in the, in the, you know, it's that they, they, they're reframing something as kind of like, so at meetup, it's like the people who might be organizing a, a running meetup, for example, these are not people, these are not like professional event organizers who are like looking for a platform to list their, their event or something. It's, it's, um, it's, so anyway, the, uh, it's really to, to always be to be doing something that you're you know you're creating some behavior that people wouldn't be doing otherwise that's 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 like that's really right like, that's what feels feels best in my sort of uh venture story yeah sort of like you know uber is three times as big as the taxi market was by reducing friction to get in a car now more people want to do okay. it and you guys reduce friction to bring people together uh, yeah, I'm sure there were VC, I'm sure there were VCs who were looking at the, you know, Uber uh, business plan and saying like, oh well, the market size for taxis is X, so I don't think we could get more than uh, you know 12% of that market, you know. But yeah, to expand a market to really and to create behavior, that that's the heart of you know changing society, changing uh, which, is, which is the point. Yeah. So what does need to be true, and you guys probably be the first people to do it for there to be a sort of uh, you know, you press a button and you bring people together. <laughs> and I know you're, yeah. you're almost there in some ways, but what needs to be true for the next step function? Well, I guess I, I'll, I, guess I could uh, hit on two points there. One is classic, you know, network density. So, you know, to, to just realize that, you know, when, when people opened the Uber or the Lyft app when they were first coming out, you know, they opened the app and it said, okay, great, it takes 14 minutes to get a car, you know, because there's only so many cars and, and, classic marketplace, you know, there weren't enough drivers because there weren't enough cars, not enough cars, not enough drivers. And, and you could say, oh, well, this product, you know, I think you're a product person. A product is a 14-minute wait for a car. Like, what's the, how good is that? Not very good. So who cares? You know, when I look at like the running, I'm picking on running or pick any meetup category that, uh, that there's a lot of, um, uh, you know, so the first answer is just network density. Is that finishing my point? Uber and Lyft. It was only when the network was revved up and that 14 minutes to get a car went down to two minutes to get a car, and that's the you know that's the kind of step function in product experience. At the end of the day, product is not just about the UI, of course, and the and the design and the. You could have the most beautiful like marketplace app, but you know it's but it's crap if there's no if there's if there's no um you know, the marketplace isn't, isn't, you know, isn't dense with, with uh, inventory, with, you know, sellers and buyers, whatever. So anyway, so that, so one thing is just, I think that when we, when we go through a cultural societal sort of change to openness around a, a more we type culture, a more, you know, as basically it becomes more normalized for people to say, Oh, um, I want to write a book. So I'll join a writing club. It'll get me in a habit of writing every week and we'll, and, and, you know, people will come for that benefit. There'll be a sense of community and all that, or multiply that by, you know, just dozens of different kinds of meetup categories as people realize. Yeah. And also bringing to that healthcare example, as they realize like, Oh, I have diabetes. If I join this local in real life community that gets together monthly and is structured in a certain way, my, health outcome will be better because uh, because of it as that becomes normalized, you know, and the network gets denser. You know, one thing we learned at Meetup, of course, is that 
you have to be really interested in something to to go a far distance, a far geographical distance to attend. But if you populate, uh, if there's lots of meetups and there's one that's very close to you, you need you need a you need to be less interested to kind of hit that tipping point to say I'm going to go. And so naturally, uh, you know, as there's more and more gatherings and more quality and more everything, it just becomes more normalized and then the network kind of just will, will rev up. There's one other dimension on what creates a step function in a cultural shift towards dramatically more in real life community in the world. So one thing that we observed at Meetup was, uh, and I'm borrowing a little bit from uh, one of my uh, ex-colleagues, Andres Guzman, and he talks about, you know, and the, the, the if I had to say what drove Meetup's growth more than anything, it's what we call cell dividing and spawning. And by that, I mean, someone will start a hiking meetup in, in a city and then, and it'll be successful. And then someone will say, okay, well, you know, I want to have one on the North side of town, hiking on the North side of town. And then someone will say, great, I want one on the North side of town, but for women only. And then branching off from there, someone will say, I want a North side of town, women only, but, um, but it's just, you know, women in their 20s. And then someone else will say, I want a, a, a lesbian women uh, hiking meetup on the north side of town. And then in the lesbian meetup, someone will say, oh, I want a couples only lesbian meetup, lesbian hiking meetup, because you know, I want this to be a, a meat market of a hiking meetup. And then off of that, someone will start, and this is a true example, someone will start the lesbian couples with dogs hiking <laughs> meetup. Uh, because, you know, someone brought a dog and, and then half the people don't want, a, want to be, you know, around an annoying dog while they're hiking. And, and, uh, but some people do. And so anyway, the moral of the story is um, there's kind of this endless human need for, you know, and this kind of does go to the, the tribal questions, you know, both the good and the bad of, of you know, the good, the good and the bad of tribalism. But the point here is that the step function is in enabling that natural human tendency for that cell dividing and spawning and sort of, and perhaps augmenting it or assisting it along, or even, you know, you know, the, the fact that the, there's a confluence here with, uh, you know, that we're in an age of AI and machine learning to help along this cell dividing and spawning so that people don't need to be, the act of starting a community is a really weird, hard, tough thing to do the fact that hundreds of thousands of people have started meetup groups is still amazing to me that i can't believe so many people have that courage the goal is to say the step function is to say well how do you make it so that it's just flat out easier and doesn't require as much extreme sort of talent or courage totally so let's talk about community health what what are signs that uh community is doing uh, really well or is going to do really well that may not be may not be super obvious What, what have you learned from you know having so many meetups. Yeah, we observed that it's probably in the millions, but seeing uh, seeing you know meetup communities fail and meetup communities succeed. There's a few things that we you know through data observed. One one is that the regularity and routine of meeting up of of gathering uh, is important, um, or merely just the fact of like you know, taking that step of, of scheduling something, you know, there's the old line, you know, nothing happens until somebody sells something. Uh, you know, I, I've come to believe that nothing, nothing happens until somebody schedules something. And, you know, we all know this in our, just even just in our like kind of personal lives. I mean, you could 
say to someone like, Hey, we should get together, but to actually say, no, we're going to, we're going to get together at this time. And so I think just like the bold act of, of scheduling regularly and taking it to the next level, like thinking of it as, you know, around the natural human need for kind of ritual and rhythm to say like, all right, we, you know, we meet up every, uh, you know, the first Monday of every month or something of that sort is, is really powerful. Secondly is, um, is, is distributed leadership. We just know that, you know, regardless of the size of a community, whether it's small or big, having multiple pointed leaders is, is more uh, successful than fewer. And that's just, I mean, just kind of classic decentralized. Uh, that's, and by the way, that's not to say that autocratic versus non-autocratic communities are more or less successful. We found that some of the most, um, some of the most successful communities are highly autocratic, but yet distribute leadership so that there's, you know, uh, you know, there's a hierarchy of like, you know, take in a, in a hiking meetup, there's a director of welcoming and there's a director of kayaking and a director of new member safety or whatever it might be. But again, the, it, it does um, to distribute leadership and be somewhat and be decentralized doesn't mean it necessarily is, is like a total democracy. Um, although at the same time, some communities are successful being, uh, you know, having a, a consensus based, you know, kind of democracy. But the point is like, if it is, um, uh, you know, people want to be needed, they want to take responsibility, they want to be in charge of stuff. So, you know, give, make people in charge of stuff. Uh, a third point is that of what we learned about successful community is that, is that there's, there's natural feedback loops. And I know that everything I'm, maybe everything I'm saying is, I don't know, maybe it's obvious, it's not obvious, but I can say for sure that we know that when, uh, when there's uh, a rating system in place and people are able to, uh, to uh, give feedback, um, you know, that feedback loop just nets out in a, in a stronger community. The last thing I would say is that is the kind of, and this is the more subtle, but the gentle balance of uh, purpose and purpose and, you know, knowing who's in, but it's both purpose and kind of an exclusiveness. It's like knowing who's, who's in and who's out, you know, you want to be welcoming, you want to be open, you can succeed with saying, hey, this is a radically, um, radically open and welcoming um, community. But what what we have loved seeing and what is so powerful when we see have a, a, a incredible success is when and it cuts to the heart of some of these these really intense, important uh, kind of tribalism questions. And that is, you know, you could say, um, oh, we want, a, you know, let's say a programmer community, but you, but but no noobs and only experienced people. And you could say, oh, well, that kind of that is not inclusive of that will sort of naturally not be inclusive of people who that had sort of a, a historical bias or a lack of access. And so what you're basically saying is like, oh, not many women or not many people of color because, you know, you don't, you don't want people who are less experienced and it just works out that that's the case. I think that to be actively and consciously saying that we are expressly open to um, anyone and everyone of sexual orientation or religion or, or race or whatever it might be, but define that, but it's still, but it's okay to have a community where you need to have a certain, say, for example, a level of experience and to, you know, confront the, the inclusion questions uh, right out there, I think is very healthy for a community. I mean, how do you, is, is too much homogeneity or, or yeah, obviously too much, or too much diversity ever too much or what, what's sort of the right balance? How do you think about that? 
Well, you know, Eric, there's the there's the answer I could give that is of a purely growth hacking near term type of answer. And then there's the answer I could give, which um, is really sort of important and powerfully nuanced. And I'll, and I'll, I'll go in that latter direction. You know, I think the days have come and gone for us as like technology builders to ignore our responsibility for making the world. I mean, like, we, listen, the, from the oldest days of Silicon Valley, people have said, oh, we want to make the world we want to live in. And, and, I, and I believe in the earnestness of that. But the reality is, is that we, is that a lot of technologies have, you know, basically created, uh, created the opposite, that we've, you know, moved fast and, and broken things. Uh, and I mean, I'm proud that at Meetup, we've been really, we've been building the kind of company you know, over a long history and have sort of weathered lots of storms because we've been, you know, far, far, far from perfect, but very conscientious about this. Anyway, Eric, my point, my point here in, in answering, to answer your question about homogeneity and diversity and all is that if you're willing to make the effort and invest in, uh, in truly kind of designing things to, so, to make the world that you want, to make the world you want to live in, and you do it with a, with just a, a kind of genuine leadership, it may not be the most optimal from a near-term growth hacking measurement perspective, but, but it, it delivers in the long run. And I know I'm, I'm speaking in kind of vague terms here, but listen, it's, it's like, it's like candy. It's cheap and easy to sort of say, you know, we're going to be a community that is, so it's so exclusionary that's going to get it's going to get some like cheap wins on getting people feeling that a sense of belonging that is grounded in a uh, that's grounded in a sense of um, basically is it are you grounded in fear or are you grounded in love sorry to go there on, on a kind of esoteric level like that but but I mean really and truly the the, the you know and you can point to how this works throughout history that you know uh, I mean, even just look at at America as a country, as a great experiment, you know, where it's like grounded in this base, in these basic principles of kind of love and welcoming, welcomingness and belongingness. And, and out of that comes, out of that comes the internet, you know, out of that comes, comes lots of, lots of good. Yes, there's, a, there's lots of problems and, you know, some kind of rampant problems. But, but my point is this, is that, um, is that to be grounded in sort of first principles that are good principles, like, like saying, we're going to go out of our way to be a diverse or inclusive community, I think produces, uh, and, and by the way, just, just to clarify once again, when I say community, I don't mean like, I'm not talking like the Mark Zuckerberg use of the word community where it's like our community of 2 billion people. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about literally like how do a few dozen people get on together? I actually, you think that like, Oh, I'm Scott. I'm like the meetup guy. I must, you know, be so uh, well, let me just get to the story. We want, you know, every, we, we bring in meetup organizers to tell their story to the team at meetup. And, you know, once we brought in the um, black vegan, uh, I forget the exact name of the group, but it was African-American vegan New York city meetup. And this, this woman was just like so inspiring. She was, she was saying, yeah, we welcome everybody. And, and, and it's like just this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful community. We get like, you know, dozens of people, 50, 70 people showing up and we take over a restaurant and it just feels it's on fire and it's alive. And I said to her, I said, hey, listen, I, I, I hear your words, but really, come on. Like, I'm a 
non-vegan white guy? Am I, you know, like if I show up at your meetup, like you don't want me there. What are, what are you talking about that you're open for everyone? She's like, no, I want you there. And we welcome, you know, we, we, we like, we bring people into our fold and we like turn them on and people become vegans because they're so welcomed into this like little universe I've, we've created. And then I'm just telling you, Eric, it's like, it's like for us, like kind of, I don't know, I'm like this Gen X part cynical, ironic, you know, person. And it's like, sometimes I sit back, I'm like, holy crap, what did we build here at Meetup? Like it really, it, it, when you bring people together, some of the like the most beautiful things emerge and these beautiful characters emerge and the best side of people emerge. And, and so um, I say, you know, man, go into it, any kind of community building with, with a, with a kind of radical sense of openness or love. And it's like, stand back. Like really amazing things can happen. Yeah. That's uh, that's inspiring. What, what separates the, the great communities on meetup uh, from the ones that, that aren't as successful or, or fold early? What about how they, how they form, how they bring people together initially? And, and what about as they, as they grow uh, and maybe they, you know, scale or, or maybe they don't, you mentioned earlier in the size of eight to 12 people on average, maybe, but what can you talk about what, what great communities have in common and what they do? Yeah. So, I mean, I think beyond the sort of regularly scheduling and being, and even going and taking that even further to kind of ritualizing and, uh, you know, defining the, defining the community by how they gather and when they gather and, you know, how they regularly gather. I think, um, and, and, and in addition to also like the kind of distributing leadership, people taking roles, having real responsibilities. And, and um, you know, I would add that there's to have a sense of purpose. You know, I remember I, like, you know, one of the meetup groups that I ran was, you know, the, the early back in the day, the New York tech meetup, uh, you know, and now New York is a, is a, is a real place in, in our industry. Uh, and it didn't, and it didn't used to be. And I remember standing on stage at the New York tech meetup and, saying this you know kind of weird thing i would say we are the new york tech community and and people kept like would would always cite that i would say that and they would they would they would use that phrasing and so i just think that very often people would think you know they they refer to they say oh well the uh you know the javascript community of portland or you know like they they refer to to like that they're that they're a part of some community uh, you know the the venture stories community or or something you know but to really gather and and uh, and then to de- but basically to declare to say we are the fill in the blank community. It's it sounds subtle, but it's um, you know it's kind of like saying like if even if you're just like with a group of friends and you say well hey we're or let's say you're in a family or something what what you know I say to my kids I say well we're you know we're the kind of people who do this you know and so to define like well what it's a, it's it's kind of a sense of purpose a sense of defining your values you know so a lot of a lot of community building is similar to company building and that sort of canon of you know whenever i look at industry stuff about like oh how do you build a great startup i i i port that over and say well how do you build a great community and likewise you there's this whole canon of like around community building and one of my favorite books frankly about business or startups or or community is a is a book about church building. It's a it's um the, the book is called uh, the Purpose Driven Church, which is basically like it's about how like Christian pastor pastors uh, should should plant and grow their church, you know, and it's very different than uh, as you know it would seem to have not much to do with um, all kinds of other community building or even startup or company building, but it's um 
it's super relevant. Yeah. And do you have a last quick line about uh, the tensions of scale of, uh, you know, if there's a New York tech meetup, but then there's the sort of the, the black vegan New York tech meetup or, or like in the splintering, what happens to the New York tech meetup? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, listen, I love all my, uh, all my babies uh, equally. Uh, I don't have a uh, preference, but, I, uh, but no, I'm, I'm just so excited and interested in the, the, you know, the future of smaller communities. I think that, uh, and because at the end of the day, Community is about people being seen, being heard. Community is about people sitting in circles, not sitting in rows. In other words, it's not about being an audience member and staring at a stage. It's about sitting in a circle, being in some kind of a circle where the other people actually see you and hear you and you get to talk and everyone hears each other and everyone gets to talk and everyone, uh, you know, has a sense of, of uh, you know, which out of that emerges, you know, people actually caring about each other. You know, out of the whole the, the whole world we're in, you know, in the in the future of AI and the future of technology and and the centralization of so much. You know, the the the, the powerful platforms. You know, the Facebook, Amazon, Apple, uh, Netflix, Google. You know, all all that stuff. It's self driving cars and all this. It's like at the end of the day, the thing that computers can't replace is caring is actual caring i tell my kids that alexa doesn't love you you know that no matter how good the computers get the computers will not love you they will not care about you and you know and i love my alexa and i'm not anti-technology but like know the difference between you know where there's love and caring and where there's not and when you're sitting in an audience the person on stage like i love you know like like I could watch Springsteen on Broadway endlessly and I could actually start to think that like, I really know Bruce Springsteen and like, okay, maybe I know about Bruce Springsteen, but he doesn't know shit. For, he doesn't know me and he never will know me and he won't care about me and he won't love me. And I'm not saying like that in a sad way. I'm saying like, okay, face reality. And frankly, my Twitter, most of my Twitter universe, like they don't really care about me. And so uh, the moral of the story is, uh, yeah, I don't really care about big communities because it's because that's not where it's it's not at a, it's not at a human scale that's feasible for any for people to really care for people. Um, I'm really into this simple simple question of in the future, in the 2020s, in the 2030s, will people have a regular weekly gathering, a regular monthly gathering, whatever it is, with a bunch of which a bunch of with a bunch of the same people who share some kind of purpose of some sort you know even if it's just friendship or some other something and they come to really help each other and support each other and that's just super mega scalable for a world and a society and sounds completely uh, you know obvious but i think we're we are in our and our and 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 have the potential to be heading into a world where that's not a part of a natural part of life and it'd be great if it were God, that's a perfect place to end. I could talk to you for, for hours more. I hope this is the, the first conversation on the topic. I want to be sensitive to your time. Thanks so much for, for coming to the podcast. Thanks, Eric. If you're an early stage entrepreneur, we'd love to hear from you. Please hit us up at villageglobal.vc slash network catalyst.